0: from Utrecht, this is Bitcoin Explained. Hello, and welcome back to Utrecht. Thank you, Sjoerd. This is the first time in a long time that we're recording live in Utrecht, I think.
1: Yes. Something about El Salvador and other places. Zurich. Zurich, yep.
0: Yeah, so we're back. We're back in uh, cloudy, rainy the Netherlands.
1: Actually, today is nice. Half clouded. Well, not compared to El Salvador, though, Shorts. I don't know. I haven't been there.
0: So okay. today we're gonna talk about we you really scraped the bottom b- bottom of the barrel for this one
1: I did We're
0: running out of like the main topics and now you're looking in the in the dense of Bitcoin talk for re- remaining stuff that that we can discuss in this podcast. Well that' that's, can't you
1: That's one way to bring it. The other way would be to say did you know that Bitcoin was attacked? Oh, that's and a that much the, better and angle. the media is hiding this from us because they haven't been talking about it. It's a cover-up. Yeah, but we have a... We're going to bring the
0: truth. We're going to bring you the truth on this episode on the, the attack that was happening on Bitcoin. It was the attack of the fake peers.
1: The attack of the fake peers, It almost yes. sounds
0: like a movie title even.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> David Gerag's book, you know, Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain. But uh, this is the uh, attack of the fake peers, yep.
0: All right, so sure. So I think I'm just going to give you the stage on this one what was the attack what is the attack of the fake peers what happened George
1: well it was a cold day in July no. uh, so so somewhere in July so it um, must
0: have been in the Netherlands if it was cold
1: exactly now, uh, somewhere in July uh, what people started noticing uh, people who are running nodes is that uh, uh, s- sort of random people were connecting to them now of course this happens all the time but this these random people that were connecting to them would connect to them and then send uh, I think it was 500 messages, and each of those 500 messages would contain 10 addresses that were supposed to represent other nodes in the network. And that's yeah, So when unusual. you say
0: addresses, you mean IP, IP addresses in that's this right. context.
1: Yes, that's right. So they would connect you and say, hey, did you know about these uh, 10 IP addresses? And uh, did you know about these 10 IP addresses? And they would just do that 500 times, and then they would disconnect. And that's a bit weird.
0: Yeah, so maybe before we move on, we should take a small step back, which is, we uh, we discussed this in previous episodes. You're our library guy, so maybe you know which episodes these were, but we discussed in previous episodes how nodes essentially bootstrap to the network. That is, how do Bitcoin nodes find other Bitcoin nodes, right?
1: Yeah, we discussed it in episode 13, and we talked about, yeah, so the the node starts up and it, it usually asks, uh, looks at a DNS seed, say, hey, tell me something. There's like five or six DNS seeds of people who are, um, it's not really trusted, but it is definitely not untrusted either. <clears throat> uh, they get a list of nodes to connect to and they just then your node will just randomly try a couple and and others and others.
0: Yeah, and now you're using the word node, but these are also IP addresses, right? Yes. Yeah. So you start with a small group of IP addresses, and then from there, the nodes you connect to, they will share more IP addresses of other nodes with you, and that's how you connect to more nodes, and that's sort of how the network forms, right? So there are messages between nodes sharing IP addresses about other nodes.
1: That's right. Right,
0: and it's these messages that you just explained were
1: being spoofed, is that the right way to put it? Well, the messages are real, but the contents was nonsense. So indeed, you would um, a node would connect to you, and they would send you uh, a bunch of addresses. But it turns out those addresses were just random numbers. So an IP address, you know, is just a number, but you know, one to two hundred fifty five, and then another number one to two hundred fifty five, etc. Four numbers usually with IPv four, and yeah, those numbers were just randomly generated. So if you were to map them out, you would see they were all over the spectrum. And that's not actually what the internet looks like because a lot of IP addresses are not used at all. And so it included IP addresses that just cannot exist. Uh, so clearly the they were artificial IP addresses. And the problem with that is that then the odds of there actually being a node there is not that good. right? Because they're, if you're just making a random making up a random IP address, then there might not be a node there. The whole point of gossiping the nodes is that you get actual nodes and not just because if you could just try random IP addresses yourself, if you wanted to.
0: Right. So there were nodes on the network that were sharing random IP addresses with other nodes on the network. And that's what we're defining as an attack here because the the IP addresses that they were sharing were just random numbers and they didn't actually point you to a real Bitcoin node. Right?
1: Yeah. And, and apparently according to the people who did some research on it, it happened on a fairly large scale. So these, you know, these people were connecting to lots and lots and lots of nodes in the network, uh, at least to the nodes that are listening. Because one of the things is if, if you're starting a node, um, you might not be listening to the outside world. It depends, especially if you're behind a router, it's not always the case. But if your node is listening to the outside world, um, then what it does is it actually tells its peers its own IP address. So if you, the first time you connect to another node, you're saying, hey, by the way, uh, this is my IP address, please spread the word. And
0: do you say it's yours or do you just give an IP address? I think that you just give, yours. give one. Right.
1: And, you know, the other node doesn't really know. But you can give up to 10. And th- that's kind of the mechanism that this attack is exploiting is kind of saying, hello, here's 10 IP addresses. And the usual assumption is if that's a new node, then, you know, the first one is probably that node. Um, so they're kind of abusing the way that nodes used to introduce themselves to the network. Because once your address has been gossiped around, then people can connect to you and give you good stuff.
0: All right. So I'm running a listening node. I don't think I actually am, but for the, as a matter of example, sures I'm running a listening node. Yeah. Now there is this other node that we just explained that is sharing random IP addresses. So it's sharing that with my node and we just define this as an attack. Why are we defining this as an attack? What's the problem for me or for my node? How am I? You know how am I a victim of what's going on?
1: Well, it's not a big problem for your node, in in reality. So it's kind of a mild attack, you could say. It at least in terms of, um, it's not it's not an attack that would kill your node in any way. It would just get these IP addresses and then you know we talked about it in earlier episodes. I think anyway, uh, when a node gets a list of IP addresses, it puts them in a bunch of buckets and shuffles them around and makes sure that it doesn't listen too much to like the same source. And so, you know, you already have a lots of IP addresses from earlier, from honest nodes. So most likely it it won't bother you too much. You might connect to a few nodes that don't exist. You know, you're just wasting some of your time, but not a huge amount.
0: Oh, but I would connect to these IP addresses or would I just notice, would my node just notice that these aren't nodes and just disconnect immediately?
1: Well, that's that's but that process takes time, right? So, okay, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, Yeah. your node is keeping a list of nodes of of IP addresses that it could potentially connect to if it needs more connections.
0: Got it. So, so basically, that list
1: that is a useless list, basically,
0: right? So, it's in it's wasting some of my resources, it's wasting some of my resource sources because my node is storing IP addresses that aren't real Bitcoin node IP addresses. So I guess that's a little bit of waste there. And then once in a while, I'll try to connect with a node and that's a little bit of bandwidth waste. Yeah. And, and that's sort of it.
1: Yeah. So that at the individual level, this is not really, you know, it, you could call it an attack. It's like a kid throwing a little pebble at you. You could tell the kid, hey, you're attacking me and you could shoot the kid. But usually we just, you know, keep walking. Got it. And nobody noticed it, right? Most people who are not actively looking at their node would have not even know this attack happened. Um, so that's good um, so then
0: why would an attacker I think that's the next question why would an attacker even bother then because clearly someone was bothering to do that so what yeah. is the potential benefit of this type of attack
1: so there's two people who wrote a paper um, Matthias Grundmann and Max Baumstark and we'll link to it in the uh, show notes from I believe the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology Um and uh, the department is the Institute of Information Security and Dependability. And I guess that might give a little hint. So what they're guessing is that this attacker was not so much trying to destroy the network as they were trying to map the network to get a sense of how well nodes are connected to each other. And the reason they can do that is because when, a, when you receive these 10 IP addresses, you will forward some of them to some of your peers, but not all of them. So you get some exponential decay where... You send them to your neighbors, and their neighbors and some of them to their neighbors, and so if if you're the attacker, then uh, and you're also just running regular nodes, then eventually you'll hear some of the echo of your own attack, basically, because your peers will you know will eventually uh, relay it back to you, and by looking at this sort of this echo, you can determine a little bit of what the network looks like, the shape of it how well connected it is, how robust it is.
0: Right. So in the same way that individual transactions, for example, make their way through the network by nodes forwarding the transaction to other nodes, they're also forwarding these IP addresses to other nodes. So if you keep track of how the IP addresses are shared over the network, you learn something about how nodes connect to each other, which nodes connect to each other, in what order they connect to each other, that kind of stuff. Roughly, uh, though not rough, precisely. Yeah. And you can potentially use that to uh, analyze the actual transactions as well. So, if you want to learn something about I, where transactions originate, for example.
1: I don't think you can with this type of attack. That's at least what, what I've been told. Uh, but you can get a general sense, of, at least you can get a general sense of the shape of, or maybe the robustness of the network. So, that's useful information then if you want to attack in the future, perhaps or ah. you know more likely my guess would be maybe it was just research pe- uh, people doing research right some academic research trying to find out what the network looks like right so and maybe but, they'll publish but, a paper next year
0: <laughs> right so what it does is it helps you map the network and w- for whatever reason you want to do that we don't know that but it helps you map the network it helps you figure out who's connecting to who yeah we're... but there
1: are some defense mechanisms in nodes already to make it not too easy to use this information so, for example, one thing is if if you're telling a node a bunch of IP addresses, it's not immediately going to connect to all of them because that would be kind of obvious. Um, and it doesn't relay all of them, and there's some time delay in when it relays some of them. So it makes it very difficult to say specifically which node connects to which node connects to which node. And these are, are
0: these defense mechanisms specifically... For this type of attack then? or
1: That's my guess, but I'm not sure.
0: And have they been in Bitcoin Core for a long time or are they new?
1: Yeah, I think they get incrementally added. I guess when people do these types of attacks, then then people like Greg Maxwell and, and Peter Weiler will look at it and be like, eh, maybe we can add this little defense.
0: Uh, I see. So yeah. these are attacks that have been happening more often over
1: the past couple of years? I think then... so. Not this specific type of attack. But um,
0: these general types of ip sharing attacks or i think or...
1: just probing the network in weird ways right uh, but it's not really my any area of expertise so i can't really tell much more about that than this this vague answer that i just gave you that it does seem that people are probing the bitcoin network fair enough often probably just for research but who knows you know there might be some evil army out there that-
2: Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what. Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even Normie Plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. Yo, what is going on, plubs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, podcast at checkout.
0: So is there a solution? Is there a definitive solution? Is there is this even a concern that developers feel like deserves yep. a solution?
1: So there is indeed a countermeasure that's been added, Um you know, because was like, like we said, it wasn't a um, yeah. So that's kind of the cliffhanger we can we can end on. But uh, first, let me explain what the countermeasure wait. is. <laughs> the, the countermeasure basically says that where, normally, like in, when people are acting nice, they will connect to you and they'll send you one IP address, namely their own, and then occasionally they'll send you some other IP addresses, but not very frequently. And the people have measured the average speed. I think it's like four twenty times. No, once every twenty seconds on average, or something like that. And so this defense mechanism. Consists- Once in
0: every twenty seconds, an average node will share an IP address with a peer.
1: Yeah, it might be a different number, but anyway, there, like there's that. some average Something number. in that ballpark. Yeah, and so you can use that by uh, by introducing a sort of a rate limiter. So a rate limiter basically says, okay, when a new node connects to me, I'll allow it to send me one address immediately, and then I'm I'm gonna allow it every twenty seconds up to one address. So just Tracks how many seconds have gone by, and if it's sending too many addresses, it'll just ignore the new ones that go over this rate limit. So it's not, you don't get punished for it. Uh, But this way, when somebody connects to you and and sends a fire hose of addresses to you, you just ignore all of them. Right. Except the first one. Now, there are cases when nodes actually want to receive addresses from their peer, and there's a special message from that. So if somebody connects to you and you say, please tell me addresses, like give me up to a thousand... Then of course you will not rate limit the response, right? You'll you'll make sure that they can actually give you those addresses. But if it's unsolicited, then you rate limit it. Sure, and so that's it, the defense. So it's
0: rate limited unless you override that limit. Yeah, and that yeah, pretty enough.
1: much gets rid of this attack. Um, now the interesting part is that apparently is this is the cliffhanger. This is the cliffhanger nice. that this this fix was added before the attack happened, a, a few weeks before. Or even just one week before.
0: So the fix was added in Bitcoin Core.
1: Yeah, so not released. It was just in the... Um, no, it wasn't even, wasn't even merged. So it was an open pull request. Right. Uh, so that means it proposed change to Bitcoin Core. And it was open. And then I think a week later or so that attack happened. And it was then merged like a, a couple of weeks later. But it wasn't re- it's been released now in version uh, 22.0.
0: Right, so the problem was anticipated, a solution was developed, and before the solution was actually deployed, the problem was abused.
1: Yeah, so it, it almost sounds like somebody saw the solution and thought, "Ha, huh, maybe I can do this attack, right? Or perhaps somebody was already planning this attack and then thought, oh shit, I better do it now because it won't be possible anymore soon.
0: Yeah that, that's an interesting point about open source development in general. Now this is a very innocent example but we've seen other examples of this. I remember you know uh, back in the Bitcoin Unlimited days if you remember that where they had this alternative Im- implementation that had a bug in it and then it was basically the bug was fixed but before the fix was deployed the bug was Um, Was exploited by somebody. Exploited and it brought back, it brought down all the Bitcoin Unlimited nodes at that at that time.
1: Yeah, so around 2013 on Bitcoin, something similar, you know, didn't happen, but could have happened. Where I think the uh, OpenSSL library was made so basically was made stricter in a soft fork by saying, okay, the signatures have to be, uh, I don't know, some positive number or not a negative number, some some constraints on the signatures um was made be- because otherwise OpenSSL would be unpredictable or something like that and it was presented as just a you know a nice cleanup soft fork but it was actually also a patch for a security vulnerability where somebody could have um posted like a slightly different kind of signature and, and caused a fork uh, because some nodes would would accept it and other nodes would not accept it so yeah it, th-
0: this this is a very interesting problem i think it has happened a few times before and it seems yeah. like the overall solution from Bitcoin core developers is to sort of pretend that it's not a big deal un- until uh, people have actually downloaded and used the software and then later they'll reveal that it was actually a much bigger problem that they...
1: That, at least well, in those examples um, that, that seems to have happened yeah and that's of course not ideal because in open source development you want to be very transparent about things you're changing because you know if, if you're being... Not transparent about fixing a critical bug then maybe you're also not transparent about adding inflation right so so it's it's delicate balance and well that's
0: that's another example actually that was also the inflation bug a couple of years ago and yeah that was another example where the fix was presented as something very unimportant well no
1: but... it wasn't presented as something it was presented as important but it was not the full truth right mm. it was presented right, as this yeah. this will crash your node this bug and we fixed a, a a bug that can crash your node and that was true it could crash your node But it could also create inflation, which, you know, is a bit more important. And that was, of course, not announced. Yeah. Because somebody could have done that in that window of opportunity.
0: It's an interesting problem. Anyways, back to the fake peers attack. The fake peers attack happened, as we discussed, uh, after a fix was actually written, but not deployed yet. But now the fix is deployed. It was deployed in Bitcoin Core 22.
1: Yeah. So anybody who's running Bitcoin Core 22 won't have this problem and anybody who doesn't still doesn't really have the problem so got it i think that that covers it all sure so no i think so too so uh, in that case uh, thank you for listening to bitcoin explained there you go